Hi everybody, this is Hub, and welcome back to another episode of Titan Up the Defense, a podcast about the new Teen Titans and the Defenders. Only, you know, one at a time. As I believe I mentioned earlier, I'm Hub. I hope you're doing well. It's fine whenever the hell you're listening. I'm doing pretty well myself. I don't know if you caught all the gerfuffle at the uh, Academy Awards the other night. Uh, That seemed like a thing that happened. I didn't actually watch it, but it did make me think about that movie La La Land, which I also haven't watched, although I probably will at some point, because as Corey likes to remind me, I do like musicals. But that reminded me of Ryan Gosling and the fact that I think that his name is very funny, because I don't know how a family earns the familial last name, Baby Goose. And at what point you just start calling him Ryan Goose? Do we have to start calling him that when he turns like 50? You'd think by 30, a goose would have reached maturity. But that also put me in mind to thinking of some of my other favorite last names that uh, may or may not have been familial professions. Like, well, I think the basketball player Wesley Person is a personal favorite of mine. Just, <laughs> it makes it seem like his parents were aliens that are like, no, I am, I am a human man. Very close to having the last name Human Man. But one of my other favorites is the author Ernest Tidyman. Like, that's just nice. He's a tidy man. He comes from a long line of tidy men, and they like to keep things tidy. Ernest Tidyman, if you're not familiar, wrote the novel Shaft that the movie, I guess movies, were based on. And if I've brought this up before, I insincerely apologize, because I could never genuinely apologize for bringing up one of my favorite, favorite character-building moments in literary history. But at one point, Shaft is hanging out on a street corner, thinking about the case that he's working on, working for Bumpy Jonas, I believe, at the time. And he's interrupted, after having been lost in thought for a little bit, by a hot dog vendor who informs him that because he wasn't paying attention, he accidentally just ate seven hot dogs and drank three orange juices. I love this idea, and I wish it was in any of the movies or other media adaptations of Shaft, if they will bring back the character trait that he is constantly having to hold himself in check from absentmindedly eating hot dogs. Like, if his concentration slips for a second, he's just like, oh shit, I'm doing it again, aren't I? And he's just constantly eating hot dogs whenever he isn't paying attention. Like, the weirdest form of Tourette's ever. Ah, boy. I think David Walker is currently doing something with the Shaft property. I know he wrote a novel, uh, a reboot novel of Shaft. Uh, I I really like David Walker's work. David Walker, if you're listening, or if someone can put a bug in David Walker's ear about this, please, please bring back the idea that Shaft is constantly eating hot dogs. Also, the description of hot dogs that Ernest Tidyman does, he calls them seven red cylinders of meat and miscellany. That is a very evocative way to describe hot dogs. Well done, Ernest Tidyman. Well done, Shaft. For God's sake, will will Shaft please go back to constantly eating hot dogs? All right. Anyway, I got slightly off topic there. You guys want to talk about some comics? I think that sounds pretty fun. Okay. Without any further ado, let's ado this. Today's synopsis rhyme is submitted by Brad Reed. A pizza is best when it has pepperoni, not pineapple or olives or toppings all phony. A slice served up hot is in life a true top bliss. Like comics, podcasts, and yes, a synopsis. Thank you, Brad. That was fun. I enjoyed doing my shitty Aleister Crowley voice there. Wait, not Aleister Crowley. I do this every time. The guy who hosted Masterpiece Theater? Aleister Cook. Shit, now I'm just thinking of Cookie Monster wearing an ascot when he was think Alistair Cookie for Monsterpiece Theater. Ah, geez. Anyway, thanks, Brad. New Teen Titans, number 10. August, 1981. Prometheum Unbound. Written by Marf Wolfman, drotted by George Perez, with inks by Romeo Tangal. Teen Titan Roll Call. Robin. Starfire. Beast Boy. Cyborg. Raven. Kid Flash. Wonder Girl. Previously in Teen Titans. 
Beast Boy's stepfather, Steve Dayton, the fifth richest and therefore fifth most trustworthy man in America, went missing. Dayton Industries had bigger problems than a missing founder because someone was killing its board members. Turned out it was puppets. Dayton Industries had recently employed apparently not-so-reformed supervillain the puppeteer, but unbeknownst to his new employers, the puppet-wielding ex-con had also been hired by those terrible acronym-having assholes, Hive, to steal an experimental substance named Promethium. And he reckoned that the best way to do that was to kill four board members for no apparent reason, rather than just taking the Promethium, which, as an employee of Dayton Industries, he had access to the whole time. What an asshole. Fortunately, the Titans beat the shit out of the puppeteer and smashed his murderous puppets to bits. Unfortunately, while they were doing that, a different supervillain with a grudge against off puppet smashing protagonist went ahead and stole the Prometheum himself. Who was this MacGuffin misappropriating malcontent? I'll give you a hint, he uses 90% of his brain, but only 50% of his eyeballs. He's the world's greatest assassin, he's taken a contract from Hive to kill the Teen Titans, and he's Deathstroke the Terminator. Any guesses? That's right, it's Deathstroke the Terminator. Gadzooks! Will the prolonged Prometheum be used against our teen heroes? Will the world's greatest assassin actually manage to kill anyone? Will this comic book feature a stand-in for one of my favorite Muppet Show characters of all time? Stay tuned to find out. Okay, so, sure looks like it for a while, but technically no. No, of course not. I'm starting to think that that's a sarcastic nickname like Tiny Lister or The World's Greatest Detective. And... Fuck yes it will. Slade Wilson, aka Deathstroke the Terminator, is chilling in his penthouse apartment, talking to his butler Wintergreen about his plans to kill some teenagers. Thank goodness for butler-client confidentiality laws. Slade's been doing some research on the Titans, and he's annoyed, because he hasn't been able to find out all that much about Starfire or Raven. Which makes sense, seeing as they're both new to Earth and all. He's interrupted by the arrival of his chief scientist, who's been going over his recently acquired plans for Prometheum. His chief scientist is a strange, round-faced, bald man with round glasses and no apparent facial features named, wait for it, Dr. Benson Honeywell. And his assistant, who unfortunately we don't get to see, is named Bleeker. Hooray! Huh, I wonder if these guys had been previously employed by the last issue's villain, the Puppeteer. Nah. Although I would have been much more stoked if there was a DC character called the Muppeteer. Anyway... Dr. Benson Honeywell, hooray, has some important news about the Prometheum, which we don't get to hear. Instead, our story jumps ahead several days and switches focus to an aircraft carrier in the mid-Pacific, which suddenly finds itself under attack by unknown forces. Those unknown forces disable the ship and swipe a nuclear warhead from it. Uh-oh. Meanwhile, back at the palatial estate of one Steve Dayton, the fifth richest and therefore fifth most trustworthy man in the world, Garfield Logan, a.k.a. Beast Boy, is having a shitty day. His stepdad is still missing, and his babysitter-slash-acting-head-of-Dayton Industries wants Gar to run the company. Gar declines on the grounds that he's pretty sure he would be terrible at it. Which is actually a pretty compelling argument. I mean, Beast Boy is considered immature for a teenage actor. I don't think that's the guy you want running a Fortune 500 company, let alone a Fortune 5 company. Cyborg shows up to Raz's his little green buddy and play some dope-ass Atari 2600 games on his big screen TV. Nice. Beast Boy does a quick recap of his backstory for his robo-pal. Parents were biologists studying in Africa, he got a weird disease, they cured his disease, but it turned him green and gave him powers, his parents died, he blames himself, he met Doom Patrol, they adopted him, Doom Patrol got killed by a supervillain named Madame Rouge, he blames himself, now his stepdad went off searching for Madame Rouge to get revenge. You know, standard stuff. Anyway, Gar found out that one member of Doom Patrol didn't die after all. Cliff Steele, aka Robot Man, was only mostly dead. And now he's fine. So Gar sent him off to look for Steve who's off looking for Madame Rouge. Gar tells Vic that there's something about him that reminds him of his old buddy Robot Man. Hmm, wonder what that could be. At least he doesn't ask him if they know each other. Meanwhile, meanwhile, across town, Sarah Sims, that pretty blonde-haired lady who was smooching on Cyborg and telling him that she loved him last issue, is doing a little grocery shopping. She bumps into one of her students and his mom. They tell her that she's great, which makes her feel better about being poor. Cool. Then she goes home and someone wearing orange gloves kidnaps her. Hmm, wonder who that could be. Meanwhile, 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 in the Middle East, <sighs> terrorists are gathering. One group of terrorists kills some American spies. How do we know that they're terrorists? Well, in addition to the captions telling us so, they're dressed like Bedouin nomads. And carrying scimitars. Yup. The evil Arab terrorists, some evil Russian terrorists... Evil Korean terrorists and evil Libyan terrorists are all heading off to America for a secret meeting. Anyway, meanwhile, meanwhile, mean... 
Also, meanwhile, Starfire is cruising around the skies of New York City thinking about how dope it is to be a model and how much she is digging Earth. Then Deathstroke shoots her in the neck, which she hates. They fight and wreck a bunch of shit. Deathstroke again brings up the fact that he uses 90% of his brain. That fact seems to take up about 91% of his dialogue. Starfire is getting the better of him, so Deathstroke drops a building on a bunch of people to distract her. The alien princess aims her starbolt skyward and reduces the entire toppling skyscraper to ash a couple of feet above the heads of the throng of civilians who are gathered under it. Impressive. Also, wouldn't that just melt the rubble? Seems like that would just make it so the people were burned to death instead of crushed to death. But what the fuck do I know? I only use, what, 20% of my brain? The rest is taken up with theme songs from the Disney Afternoon line of cartoons and the starting lineups of 90s NBA teams. I regret nothing. Then a whole bunch of shit happens in rapid succession, which could kind of be the name of this issue. Starfire heads back to the Titan Tower, Deathstroke heads back to his apartment, Hive yells at Deathstroke for stealing the Prometheum, Deathstroke tells them that his contract with them is for killing the Titans, and if they want the Prometheum, they can bid on it in the giant terrorist-only auction that he set up, just like everybody else. Gar and Cyborg head back to the Titan Tower to meet up with the rest of the team. When they get there, Deathstroke's voice starts coming out of Starfire's neck and taunting them. Creepy. Turns out that thing he shot her with was like a tiny walkie-talkie or something. He tells the Titans that he'd sure appreciate it if they'd surrender to him so that he can blow them up with a Prometheum bomb and prove to his evil buddies that it works. He figures that they'd probably prefer not to, so he went ahead and kidnapped Sarah Sims and is willing to swap her for the Titans. Oh shit, that was him? I just assumed it was a different DC character who wears orange gloves. Like, uh, I don't know, maybe Geoforce sometimes? Possibly Slipknot? Shit. Orange is a pretty unpopular glove color. Cyborg flips the fuck out when Deathstroke mentions Sarah. Then he gives a weird speech about how she's definitely not his girlfriend. They're not dating, they don't kiss or have a romantic relationship or anything like that. You know, just in case you were concerned that 1981 DC might be showing you a <gasps> interracial relationship. <sighs> don't worry, he and Sarah are just good buddies. Pals, that's all. <sighs> Raven uses her powers to chill Victor out, and 18 hours later, they all fly to the Grand Canyon to offer themselves up as prisoners. True to his word, Deathstroke releases Sarah and chains the teenage heroes together in a big circle in a scene that is purposefully reminiscent of the death scene of Beast Boy's former team, the Doom Patrol. Harsh. Also, I guess Sarah's just gonna walk back to New York from the Grand Canyon? Cool. That evening, Slade addresses the assembled terrorists and tells them that he is going to demonstrate Prometheum's effectiveness by using it to blow up the Teen Titans. After that, which will fulfill his contract with Hive, he will sell the plans to the highest bidder. We'll see about that, Deathstroke. The Titans aren't so easy to blow up as you might- Oh, what's that? You just blew them all up with a giant explosion? Oh, okay. Never mind. Carry on. Hive makes the first bid by electrocuting all the other bidders. They tell Deathstroke that he can keep all the gold that the other now-dead bidders brought with them, and Hive will keep their money and the Prometheum plans. Damn. Okay, so hierarchy of international vengeance and eliminations still sounds like a group who is all about ranking spicy poops, but that is a pretty baller move. Well done, poop rankers. Deathstroke, however, has a counteroffer. He shoots the two Hive representatives and takes their money. Hey, I guess he does kill someone after all. Good for him. He explains that he's still pissed that Hive got his shitty son killed back in New Teen Titans number two. Plus, he likes money. He's about to take off when he is confronted by... The New Teen Titans. Turns out they aren't so dead after all. Hooray. Deathstroke is about as surprised by that information as we are, which is to say, not very. He politely asks how they managed to escape, which is good of him seeing as Robin is just bursting at the seams to tell him. Turns out... Prometheum doesn't work. Once they knew that, the Titans figured out that Slade had swiped that nuclear bomb from the aircraft carrier and was fixing to use it and pretend it was Prometheum. Once they knew that all they were dealing with was a regular old run-of-the-mill atom bomb, the rest was easy. The teens used their respective powers to defuse the bomb and then simulate the effects of a nuclear explosion. You know, with science. Then they snuck up on Deathstroke's headquarters, which brings us up to the present. Slade congratulates his opponents on being clever, but reveals that he has an army of mercenaries that he has waiting to kill them just in case they pulled something like this. 
Then there's a big old fight. Gar notices that Deathstroke is using the confusion of the Donnybrook to make his escape. He confronts the fleeing assassin, and the two tussle. Gar's doing pretty well for himself, when Slade whips out some kind of weird device, shoots Gar with it, and runs away. The other titans are just finishing mopping up the 500 or so mercenaries, when Raven starts freaking out. She senses the life force draining out of her green teammate. The empathetic bird lady starts tearfully addressing her teammates, and informs them that Beast Boy is dead. Dun dun dun! To be continued. Okay, so maybe World's Greatest Assassin isn't a sarcastic nickname after all. Shit. Wonder if Tiny Lister isn't as big as I think he is either. Guess I better go watch No Holds Barred again to make sure. Oh, who am I kidding? I was probably going to do that anyway. Bummer about Beast Boy, though. And joining us once again is my good-for-many-things brother, Corey. Corey, how are you doing? I am well. How are you? I'm doing really good, although thanks to our previous discussion, I now have segments of the Beverly Hills Cop soundtrack stuck in my head. And you're welcome. Yeah, not a bad way to be. Did you know that was the first album I ever bought? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah, I got it with vinyl, with my own money, when I was like seven. I good think. choice. Yeah, pretty good. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. I told people I bought it for Heat Is On. I bought it for the Neutron Dance. Oh, uh, what about Axel F? That's a good song too, but I mean, woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Pointer Sisters. They're great. Sure. Mm-hmm. So, what'd you think of the issue? Oh, yeah. Comics. Yeah. Let's talk about those. <laughs> we have our Pointer Sisters podcast later on in the Oh, week. that's right. That's right. You know, it was good. It was it was entertaining. It was very wordy. There was a lot happening. It was a very dense read. It really was. I'm okay with a denser read, and it's actually one of the things that I prefer about Bronze Age comics. This was pushing the limits of it for me. I was actually recommending Bronze Age comics to someone in general, just as a more bang for your buck. Like, mm. with modern comics, there's a lot of them that are really, really good and really beautiful ones that are coming out really beautifully illustrated. But they take me, like, ten minutes to read, and they cost five dollars. So yeah. I have trouble making myself buy them. There are a couple that I pick up normally, but I was like, no, but with Bronze Age comics, it takes you more time, there's more to go over. Mm-hmm. But this was a lot. Yeah. And I I appreciate some of the groundwork that was being laid for later things, but it also seemed like some of it was, okay, just slow down. This this seemed to be a story that could have been spread out over two or three issues. Mm -hmm. And I I maybe would have liked that better. In this world, have we seen the death of any major characters yet? Like In this world? In the DC universe? Or in the Teen Titans kind of world? Ah, there was that dude that they retroactively decided was their best friend and they went and looked for when they met the Four Horsemen. True. I don't think that really counts. Yeah. I was trying to remember. N- not specific, not in the Teen Titans, really. I mean, it, part of Gar's backstory it certainly involves a lot of death at this point and death that stuck around for quite a while. And poor guy, man. He has had a rough life. That is one of the things that really comes across in this issue is, man, poor Gar. Yeah, but like a repeat of the same kind of screwed up situation that he had to deal with when he was, what, 10 or 11. Yeah. And he's just like, no. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck this. He, I really liked him in this issue. I did too. You get a much better read on his character. And, and that, that was one of the really good things to come out of this issue. I want to say it was focused on him more, but it was also focused a, lo- a lot on Starfire as well. Oh, yeah. And she came off pretty good, too. I thought so. And it planted a couple of seeds for things that hopefully will pay off later. We learned that she has a sister that's no good. Yeah. That she hates. A lot. That yeah. Sold her out or something. Yeah, her sister sold her out. She's no good. She mm-hmm. hates her. Yeah. Seems like she might have mentioned that when she briefly mentioned her sister before, but... Eh. Eh. Tamaranians. What can you do? Mercurial. Yeah, apostrophic. They are apostrophic. Apostrophic? Oh. Um, they use a lot of apostrophes. Yeah, I got you. Did they ever remove that thing that uh, the Terminator shot onto her neck? Or did they just, just, just like, ah, oh, we'll just leave that? I don't know. That was bugging me. <laughs> I like, feel like maybe that, that must have been part of the deal when they turned over Cyborg's definitely not girlfriend, don't worry about it. There is no way there's an interracial relationship in this comic book. We were just hinting at it before, but no, 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 don't worry about it. She's not his girlfriend at all. He probably doesn't even have a dick. Yeah, there's that too. But yeah, I'm, I'm sure when they made the deal to 
release her as a hostage. Mm-hmm. When they surrendered themselves, probably he took it out. I don't think he would have. Nah, I guess she's just got Doesn't it now. Doesn't seem like him. She's like, anytime he wants, he can be like, hey, I'm Starfire. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> she's like, no, guys, that wasn't me. That was Terminator. Again. Man, I, I mean, she is, in this comic book, as close as there is to a guileless character, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that I like about her. I like the fact that she is guileless, but it is paired with brutal mayhem. But if she wasn't, if she was capable of guile... I would use that as an excuse for all kinds of things, man. Like, sorry, no, that wasn't me. That was Deathstroke. I still got the chip in my neck. Can't get it off. Sorry. Yep. <laughs> sorry. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Ah, it's, it's like a Band-Aid. It's going to hurt. It, exactly. Take that exactly. out. Exactly. So we touched a little bit on it. I was really annoyed with how they walked back Cyborg's relationship with Sarah. Mm-hmm. They had hinted at it pretty strongly in the last issue that they were dating. And I wonder if they got pushback either from readers or from the management mm-hmm. saying like, looks like you've got Cyborg dating a white lady here, maybe. Um, can we clarify and make sure that everyone understands that that is not happening? And they really did. And I was really disappointed. Thank goodness there was no like a uh, internet comment sections back then yeah i mean kind of if you look at it most of the 80s seems like a internet comment section in retrospect but it was but it was limited in it's how much you could expose yourself to it to a degree i think i'm just saying like there was just such a high background level of not that it's not there anymore but there was such a high background level of racism and sexism and transphobia and homophobia in like all aspects of pop culture that you kind of didn't need the internet comment sections to reinforce it I see what you're saying. there was recently a certain appointee to a certain position who had been turned down for that position in the 80s for being too racist. And just the idea that somebody was too racist for the 80s is mind-boggling when you look at, like, I love so much pop culture from the 80s, but if you look at, like, watch any movie from the 80s that you love and there'll be at least one scene where it's just like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. As you're fond of saying, it was a, a different time. When everyone was terrible. Yeah. I gotta say, though, even so, I was very annoyed with how they walk back Cyborg's relationship. And I have referenced this article before. You guys should really read. I'm embarrassed that I'm forgetting the exact title of it. Uh, I will put a link to it. It was on the Middle Spaces, and it was written by Son of Baldwin, and it was really good, and it was about Cyborg, and it just talks about, like, the neutering of black characters that was happening, especially during the Sarah of Comics. But, you know, still going down. Yep. I so look forward to a time when we can look back on this period of time and say it was a different time when everyone was horrible. It'll happen. Yeah. Maybe in four years. Let's hope. Well, this is a fun discussion about comic books. Indeed. <laughs> so, speaking of fun, favorite part of the comic? Well, it's not, not favorite panel. What was your favorite thing that happened in this comic book? Because I think it might be the same as mine. Oh, I see. I see where I think you're getting at. And it was at the beginning when we're introduced to the scientist and... Oh, Dr. Benson Honeywell. And his lab assistant... Bleaker? Yes. <laughs> I love Muppet references. I love when you can work Muppet references into comic books. And yeah, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew and his associate Beaker are represented in this comic book wonderfully. Dude even looks like Bunsen Honeydew. We don't get to see Beaker, though. We don't, which, which is I'm a super bummed about. It's coming up. Is Deathstroke, it? I, I'm assuming, Deathstroke didn't kill Dr. Honeydew. That's true. Which was big of him. Yeah. And I gotta say, overall, he's a real piece of shit in this issue. Mm-hmm. I like Deathstroke so much. He's a fun bad guy. He's a fun bad guy, and he like he seems really cool. I like when he's like got his feet up on his computer while his butler brings him a fancy tea set at the mm-hmm. beginning. Yeah, he's pretty great. Yeah, he's a he's a likable yeah. rapscallion. Yeah, except for the whole murdering. I mean, everybody he's... for money. Yeah, and, and even if you even if in the context of being a sociopath, he is a dick about it. Like the whole specifically setting it up to be the same way that uh, Beast Boy lost his whole family before. That's a dick move. 
he's evil. Yeah, he is evil. Yeah, I I know. I just I just kind of like him. He's a very stylized evil. Yeah, he's a, he's fun evil, but he is evil. Yep. Can't embrace him completely. Nope. Even though you you messed up earlier and started to refer to him, I think as Deadpool. I was I was yeah. Well, Deadpool was very heavily inspired by Deathstroke the Terminator. He basically is at, at least started off as being a full Deathstroke ripoff. So you're not wrong there. Yeah, I was gonna call him Deathstroke, and then it started to come out Deadpool, so I just called him Terminator. Yeah. Or as Gar is fond of saying, Termi. <laughs> He likes to give people weird nicknames. Like, he's got a billion for Cyborg already. Stony. Stony. Yeah, that's a new one. Borgie. Borgie. <laughs> Stony, Borgie. There's all kinds of things. Robo Man. Mm-hmm. Need a lube up. Stiff joints. Yep, stiff joints. Old stiff sure. joints. <laughs> None of those are as good as what people call Robin short pants. Nope. But, or no pants. Or white eyes. These are all great nicknames for Robin. Yeah. But we do get a little furthering of Cyborg's and Gar's relationship in this. I enjoyed that. Yep. That was fun. There was a really fun scene, too, where Garfield comes into his room and Cyborg's sitting there playing video games. It's one of the things that always strikes me about things from this era is how high-tech certain things are, but then Cyborg is playing an Atari game on a five-foot computer screen Mm -hmm. and it's like five feet still very large for a computer but not necessarily the kind of like oh my god can you imagine that there's a tv that size Mm -hmm. at somebody's house and he's playing atari and it's got atari style graphics on there and i know that's cutting edge at this time it doesn't seem like it would be cutting edge when it's cyborg that's doing it so there's this juxtaposition of science fiction like super high tech cutting edge technology that we still don't have and four bit graphics. Yeah, and on a five foot screen, each pixel is, <laughs> is yeah. like a foot wide. Yeah. It's just it's gotta just look like somebody built them out of blocks. Mm-hmm. But I do like that he's just sitting in his room playing Atari. Yep. That was pretty fun. Yeah. And we get a slight furthering of uh why they are might be so close, why Garfield finds himself drawn to Cyborg as a older brother type character is because he already has been friends with a robot man. Mm-hmm. Robot man. Yeah, <laughs> to be precise. <laughs> yeah. Who I guess is also technically a cyborg, although he's a cyborg in that he has a human brain inside a robot body, but with no, like, flesh parts. Mm. So, like, really extreme case of cyborgism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we find out that they're still tight. Although, when they have their conversation over the video screen, Mm -hmm. first of all, it's pretty clear that robot man is being employed by garfield as kind of a private eye he's Mm -hmm. like you sure you still want to keep bankrolling this adventure yep dude you're searching for one of your former teammates when all of your other teammates are dead you're not just doing that shit pro bono no okay fair enough (laughs) but the other thing and really the main thing that struck me about that conversation is as they are having this conversation over a view screen beast boy is blow drying his hair (laughs) he's very hairy too which I, I never noticed before. I don't think he heard anything inside that <laughs> robot man said. He's got a hairdryer blowing in his ear as he is having a business conversation. How do you do that? Yeah, well, you just have to be very rich. Yeah, fair enough. I, I'm pretty sure. It's probably a super high-tech blow dryer, like made by the same guys that made his giant computer screen. Oh, yeah. That, yeah. that programmed those amazing 4-bit animation video games sure. of not space invaders mm-hmm. but whatever game it was that yep. cyborg was playing yep. space attackers maybe sure yeah probably space attack yeah space guys space space guys space coming in <laughs> space guys coming in space guys coming in two wonderful game oh man they came out with this space guys coming in too return of the space guys coming in oh man they're still coming in. <laughs> That's some beautiful, beautiful music, Corey. That's what I do. I know. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, Corey <laughs> makes video game music. Oh, yeah. Yeah, send us your requests. Yeah, and he'll make it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Don't be giving away that shit for that free. That was a sample. Yeah, man. Okay. I'm going to fucking mail this podcast to myself. 
<laughs> so then it's copyright. Oh, shit. So, as I said, a lot of the focus in this issue is either on Gar, which we've talked about a little bit. We get his whole Doom Patrol background. Yep. I love Doom Patrol, and I think it's actually very moving that the team sacrificed their lives for the lives of 14 people mm-hmm. in a small coastal New England town. Probably in Maine. Um, I think it was. Yep. Yeah. There's something about... I don't know. Something about superior, something about this series mm-hmm. that and we Maine. specifically are covering and Maine. There's something about the fact that we're it was saved. a small number of people Not that nine. were saved yep. by the Doom Patrol that they sacrificed their life for that makes the whole thing seem that much more noble. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like that. It's one of my favorite stories in comics. Doom Patrol is also maybe the best name of a team. It's a really good team name, and it's the one that I think would translate best to a band name. I thought that, too. Yeah. Although, still, the best band name that I have stumbled across in other media culture lately is the Miracle Violence Connection. What is that from? It was the name of Dr. Death and Terry Bam Bam Gordy, uh, who were pro wrestlers. It was the tag Uh team that they formed when they wrestled in Japan in the early 80s. Wow. When they were wrestling in Japan, they wrestled under the name of the Miracle Violence Connection. That's pretty awesome. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. Anyway. Gar. Gar. Yeah. Yeah. We learn a lot. We learn a lot about him. We also learn a lot about Starfire, including she has different ways that she uses her powers in this issue that do not make a ton of sense to me. For the first time ever, too. Yeah. Just like... I wonder if I can do this. Okay, I'm doing it as hard as I can, and I'm great at it. Yeah, magic of comic. Magic of comic. Okay, I will buy it for the fact that she disperses her star bolts enough to melt the bullets that are being fired at her and disable their explosions. That's pretty cool. Okay. I get that. When she stops an entire building from collapsing on people by melting everything in it just immediately before it falls on their heads... Uh Uh-huh. No. So you think a star bolt is like a sneeze and it's hard to control it it's just gonna shoot out (laughs) and zap stuff no i'm saying even if she can control it in that way Uh uh-huh that is going to melt those steel beams and then those people will have molten metal falling on their head yeah i think the idea of turning it into ash is very very for whatever reason that was the part that strained my credulity yeah yeah also, if she's able to do that and sure. she zaps the hell out of uh, Deathstroke, how the heck is he still alive despite Oh, being... especially the fact that, yeah, she's like, oh, nobody's around to keep me from killing you. So this is great. I get to kill you. Yeah. And she gives him everything she's got, enough to melt a whole building. And he's like, oh, you'll oh, do okay, better than but that. Corey, was that building using 90% of its brain? <laughs> it, it was not. And it was probably also not scientifically made stronger. Yeah, and better reflexes. Ninety <laughs> percent, Corey. That's it's a lot so of a building's brain to be using. Yeah, and Almost so that's it. how he he could stop himself from being instantly disintegrated the way that a skyscraper. Well, he's was. scientifically stronger. Also. Oh, oh, well, and not just smarter, stronger. He, he smarter and, and yeah, ninety ninety percent stronger. Oh, he doesn't talk. That's just the brain. He's thing. just also stronger. It's scientific. He says specifically science. that he's scientifically. Were you science? Yeah, he was scientifically stronger. Scientifically stronger. Made stronger with science. Oh well, if it's scientific, okay. There we go. Then I'm on board. I'm not against science. That's I didn't think so. But I, all I'm saying, Corey, is <laughs> steel beams don't melt at those temperatures. <laughs> okay. Yep. Wake up, sheeple! I enjoyed Deathstroke's switcheroo that he pulls on the world's terrorists. That was some pretty fun depiction of terrorists, too. Yeah. Yeah, we talked... Yeah. Why is it... The the way that the coloration works in comics for skin tone is there's there's white people and black people and gray people. Yes. Because they just, I guess... Which which gray people? I'm I'm curious about this. The terrorists. Are they? Yeah, there's a a part in there where you see some of the faces, the the guys... Now, this is the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yep. They're like, yeah, Arabs are gray. Yeah, well, they're not black and they're not white, so they're clearly in the middle. Yeah, and once again, we, we do get to see, which is super fun, uh, Arab being pretty much synonymous with terrorist. Mm-hmm. Um, although, we, you know, there's also terrorists that are fly- flown in from this convention from Russia. Russia. 
and from Korea, Korea yeah. mm -hmm. and from Libya. Mm -hmm. So, you know, all of all of the world's bad guys. Mm -hmm. Convenient. And the Hive, don't forget. Oh, man, those Hive. Those eliminationists. <sighs> it's the worst acronym <laughs> ever. It still bothers me so much. Hierarchy. Ugh. Yep. It's okay. like the name of a cleanse diet, the Hive diet. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> hey, you want to come to dinner? Oh, man, I can't leave the house. I'm doing the Hive diet. <laughs> <laughs> See, now that just makes me think that you're eating things that would give you hives. Oh, that's a terrible diet. I know. Corey, they're evil. Don't yeah. follow their diet plan. Oh, I'm not. Okay, good. But I, do, I did enjoy that Deathstroke put one over on the Hive. Because yep. in terms of hierarchy of villains, we are, I think, supposed to identify with Deathstroke a little bit, certainly more than we are with the Hive. If, if nothing else, he's humanized to a greater degree. They're anonymous, too. Yeah, ex so. exactly. And they also, they made him kill his son. Or they orchestrated the death of his son and made sure that he was part of that in a weird way, which, not great. But I liked that he put one over on the Hive. Yep. But the, the one that he put over on them was, ha ha, you idiots. That was just a regular old garden variety, run-of-the-mill nuclear warhead. Yeah, just that. Yeah. Which, the Teen Titans displayed maybe the best teamwork, like even more so perhaps than their fight with Trigon. Mm -hmm. They used their teamwork to defuse the nuclear weapon that was being plummeted at them. Yeah, very clever. And did it in a way that concealed... The fact that they were doing it kept it all secret. Well, the dismantling of Deathstroke's really entire plan was being done at their part. Not sure why they had to keep it secret at that point. Except for the fact that it allowed Deathstroke to put one over on the Hive, but I don't know why they would want that to happen. Yeah. They did a great job doing it. Yep. Just not sure why. Very I, brave of Kid Flash. He's a very brave boy. Just to reach into that bomb and keep those particles separate. Yeah. That's good. So I guess he's just back to being a superhero now? Guess so. Incidentally, you were totally right. He never quit the team. It really seemed like he was quitting the team. He I thought he was to think about. To... Yeah, well, I guess he's done thinking. Yep. His I... dad made him carve that turkey, and he was <laughs> yeah. like, that was fucking creepy. Like, well, I'm the man of the house now. <laughs> I'm going to leave. Got to provide. Got to get back to the old grind of the superhero factory. And also, not have awkward conversations about carving turkeys with my dad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the duties of man of the house are, and I don't want to deal with the fact that my dad has just given me his manhood, symbolically. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to go back to New York, uh, hang out in a T-shaped building, run real fast. Superheroing. So fast. The fastest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does a great job. I liked the Hive's little move, too, though, their negotiation. My opening bid is killing everyone else. We'll keep our cash. You can have their gold. Yeah, which actually is a great deal for the Terminator. That works out really well in his favor. Well, unless he wants to do business with any other terrorists. Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, it wasn't like all the terrorists in the world were there. There was like 10 dudes there. Yeah, and that that does have to hurt repeat business for him. If, oh, you go to a meeting with him, you're probably going to get murdered and get all your money stolen. Yeah. But he seems like he's doing okay. He doesn't give a fuck. He really doesn't. And he's like, yeah, I knew you'd do that, and that's cool too. Because these plans I stole, they're shitty. There's no such thing as Prometheum. We were all idiots. Which, of course, there's no such thing as Prometheum. As it was described, it made no goddamn sense. A source of energy forever? A sor source of regenerating energy and apparently also regenerating matter. And also it's indestructible. And it's... Powers of destruction are unparalleled. Exactly. And you can make cars out of it, and it'll be the best car. Uh, you can put it on pancakes, probably. Uh, it's delicious. It's very pretty. There's nothing it can't do. No, it's the best. Prometheum. Patent pending. <laughs> I'm mailing Prometheum to myself, too. Make us hives. <laughs> Stay on hive diet. You eat nothing but Prometheum. Also, it doesn't exist. You get super skinny, but you do die. And also get hives. Uh, what else? Instant dog meat. I had never heard that phrase before. <laughs> Apparently, that's what'll happen if a mad cyborg gets a hold of you. Wait. He will turn you into instant dog meat. Who says that? Does Garfield say that? That yeah. sounds like his thing. Yes, he does. So, who does he say that to? He says that to Deathstroke when uh, he's trying to beat him up. He's like, oh, you're lucky it's me and not Cyborg because he's really mad at you. He'll turn you into instant dog meat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is a weird turn of phrase. <laughs> 
I didn't even catch have that. We heard, cause what, haven't we heard the phrase dog meat in these before? And we were like, what is that? Is that like meat you feed to a dog? Or I think meat it may have come dog? up. Uh, I, I don't remember for sure. Maybe The one that be. completely leaps to mind for me is pig from meat. Skate Man. Yeah. <laughs> what the shit do you care, pig meat? Yeah. Maybe that was just a, a Bronze Age. Maybe. Just Same. like in, yeah, animal yeah. meat. You're, you're some kind of animal meat, and it's instantaneous. Yeah, gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, man, and then you're so excited in that fight that Garfield's having with Deathstroke because it looks like he's winning, mm-hmm. and he's doing real good. And then, uh-oh. Ugh. Poor fella. I don't think they're going to kill him, for real. Really? I hope not. No way to know. That's kind of why I was asking earlier. I was like, does that actually happen in this narrative? I mean, I mean it's, it's possible. There are actual deaths that happen in Teen Titans comic books. This is a more mature Teen Titans, too. It yeah. really is. They're barely um, teens. Yeah. They're so mature. One of them's dating a 35-year-old divorcee. Still creepy. Oh, Donna. And, uh... I mean, it's possible that others are. We don't know about. <laughs> I don't know what Robin's doing. Maybe that's where, what's happening at the, quote, circus, unquote. Oh. Yeah, it was just a circus of 35-year-old divorcees. Uh, so Robin doesn't really do much in this issue other than the plan i guess well yeah i think he orchestrates the plan he's the it, plan it really seems guy. like it he describes it as though he has well yeah fair enough that, yeah that's how he's gonna describe anything I told yeah him. we don't we don't get to see much from him we don't get to see much from kid flash we don't get to see much from donna uh they all have their little parts to play in the plan you know mm-hmm. kid flash denuclearifies a nuclear warhead mm-hmm. and then donna catches it yep so they both do a good thing so there. They, they, they do nice there. Robin says he came up with a plan. Right. Raven. What she, did Raven do? She calms uh, Cyborg down when he's real mad. <laughs> and she senses that Gar has been killed. Okay. Those are her contributions. Those are great contributions. Cyborg plays a video game. Sure. He does a great job. Beats up a couple bad guys. Yep. Makes Gar feel better. Sure. He also, does. That's what he does in this Yeah. Issue. Yeah. Yeah, we, we don't get a lot from a lot of people. It really, the focus in this one is definitely on Starfire and Garfield. And I feel like it sets up some future stories for both of them. Both with Gar's stepdad, presumably, and with hopefully, hope, hopefully not being dead. Yeah. I feel like they wouldn't have set up his stepdad to be the story if he's dead. Mm-hmm. But maybe they would. Certainly creates a lot of pathos. Yeah. Was there anything else you wanted to cover before we get into the minutiae? I think not. All right. Hit it, Rick. We got minutia. It's not the biggest part, it's just minutia. Like Cory eating farts, we got minutia. Time to sweat the small stuff. So, sound effects. What's your favorite sound effect, Cory? Spoom! That was mine, too. I will say there was not the selection of great sound effects in this one that we've had in some issues. But on page two, when the submarine is having a nuclear weapon stolen stolen from it. The three sound effects on the page are bloom, spoom, and bammo. And is it a yeah. submarine or is it a like an aircraft carrier? I thought it was a submarine. Those are radically different. Let's take a look. It's on page two. Okay, maybe it's an aircraft carrier. <laughs> part of it is submerged. So. That's what I meant when yeah. I said that. Is I, that part of it is submerged, therefore it is a submarine. I thought so. Yeah. I had two uh, runner-up sound effects okay and what were they one is on page nine when deathstroke says to himself bam (laughs) that's not a sound effect he's thinking it (laughs) it just cracked me up that cracked me up too the other one was on page 12 and it was the name of a ska band probably probably ska bam now, I don't think technically that's a pun, so I don't think that is the name of a ska band. Oh, that's true. That's a rule, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, I guess the exception, the outlier would be Skavuvi. I was just going to say, that's yeah. not a... But I think other than that, if you have ska in the name, then, you know, you're a Scavocado. Scatolite. Scatolite. Thai uh, restaurant. Yep. That's the other <laughs> yeah, rule that's, for yeah. puns. Thai restaurants and ska bands. Okay. Have to have puns in. But yeah, I don't... I don't I don't think Scabam quite counts, but yeah, I, I, I pick up what you're putting down. Okay. Sartorially speaking. Any fashion that they really stuck out at you in this one? Yeah, and it's sort of cheating because I've used it in the past, but there's a little twist on it, and it's a hel- helmetless 
Termi. Oh, okay. So when he's sitting there with his eye patch and uh, he's got his Terminator uniform on. I like that he has a white eye patch. Mm-hmm. Matches it's his hair. Pretty pretty cool looking. Yeah, he's a, he's a real silver Dr- fox. Drinking his little cup of tea. Uh-huh. Thinking bad thoughts. Yeah, it's a good look. Uh, my choice was Garfield Logan's short, short robe. <laughs> Straight from the Mr. Jupiter collection. Yeah, that really The was. very wealthy have very short bathrobes that they like to wear around the house. Yep. He was trailing water everywhere, too. So he doesn't care. He's so fucking rich. I know. That's so what I thought rich. when I saw that. I was like, he's so rich. He doesn't carry <laughs> dripping water on the floor. Nobody's uh, even gonna yell at him. Yeah, I know. Well, I bet that Vernon Quester would yell at him. Well, it wouldn't do any good. Quester would just be like, "Come run the company, please, please run your company, do a job." I don't want to. Man. Yeah. No, he doesn't want to. Yeah, I, that's understandable I though. He's like, "What the fuck do I know about running?" Which is a billion dollar company. Which yeah. is is fair. They should have other checks and balances in place. Yeah. To the running of the company, because yeah, he would be bad at it, so he doesn't want to do it. Fair play to him. But fucking stop tracking water all over the house in that short short robe. Yeah, it's a shame. <sighs> Ruin it. Yeah, if you would like to hear what we're talking about for the Mr. Jupiter collection of short, short robes, give us some money. (laughs) I just realized that we discussed that in the Patreon-only episode that is uh, available to our donors. We should do another one of those soon. Indeed. All right, then it's agreed. Anything else sartorially speaking that uh, really stuck out at you? That's... Kind of, a, kind of a weak episode in that regard. Not a lot of people being out of costume in that. What do you feel like covering next? Let's take it to the Bozone. Oh, the Bozone. Of which there were slim pickings. I disagree. I found my very favorite. And it's one of my favorite Bozones that we have encountered yet. There was no actual use of the word Bozo, which was disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. They seem to be talking less like very, very old people in this issue, Yep. which I disapprove of. Mm-hmm. But Deathstroke the Terminator shit talks his dead son in a way that I found delightful, partly because I hated his dead son, but also just because it's like, dude, you're shit talking your dead son. And what he says is, he may have been a moron, but he was my moron. <laughs> yeah. What a jerk. Yeah. Well, he was a moron, though. True. Yeah. Yep. What was your Bozone moment? I enjoyed a back and forth between Gar and Cyborg. Is it when he said to go get a lube job? Yes. So they're they're hanging out in, in the room, kind of trading insults, you know, like friends do. Insults are pet names. Yeah. And Gar's all pissed off about having to run the company or something. And so Cyborg tells him, hey, take it easy, salad head, or you'll blow a gasket or something. Which, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, sure. salad head, he's green. That's pretty funny. Sure. To, to which his reply is, go get a tune-up or a lube job or something. And, you know. Yeah. The uh, adolescent in me. Giggled because it sounds vaguely sexual. Yeah. So there's a movie out right now that's directed by Martin Scorsese called Silence that I'm not particularly interested in, but it is co-written by Martin Scorsese and a man whose name is Jay Cox. C-O-C-K-S. Oh. (laughs) And I keep looking at that poster and giggling (laughs) and thinking to myself, someday I'll stop finding that funny, but today is not that day. There's a dude that I used to work with whose last name was Cockman. <laughs> it's spelled like that, you know. Was that his last name or was he a superhero? That was just something I would giggle about whenever I walked by the cubicle that had his name up there. Yep. Okay. Favorite panel? There was a couple of good ones. There was a, there's several good ones, actually. The art in here, I thought, oh, was it outstanding. Was, it was awesome. There were... A number that I didn't even write down that I, I remember thinking of. George Perez draws, like, stress on people's face really well. Mm-hmm. And also, there's a scene where Gar is sweating a lot, and there's a scene where Starfire is exerting herself in fighting Deathstroke. And, like, I think there's debris on her face or something. But they're both just beautifully rendered, and neither of those even made my my top panels list. But yeah, the level of detail is really outstanding and the perspective is great. He's and an amazing artist. Yeah, he's super good. I think my first pick, and it's kind of for the dynamism of the way that it's drawn, is on page 16 and I call it Borgie freaking out. And it's when Cyborg has just found out that his not-girlfriend has been 
kidnapped and he's like ah fuck and all the teen titans are trying to restrain him and he just has thrown them all off willy-nilly into different yeah. directions as he's like busting out of the frame and rage and uh it's that is a really nice image i liked that a lot as well i had one of one of my backups is beast boy when he is having his final fight with deathstroke and he also is freaking out and is enraged and it's you see him transforming from a eagle into Beast Boy, into a cheetah, and leaping. Mm-hmm. And the this, especially the cheetah, it, the whole thing is really wonderfully rendered, but that the cheetah looks so goddamn ferocious and really looks like it's leaping out of the page at you, mm-hmm. slash Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's gorgeous. That one's on page 22. And I loved that one. I also had, it's hard for me not to just pick when we see Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, or I'm sorry, <laughs> Benson Honeywell, because he looks, he like, looks him. like him. It, it's, he has a round head with no features on it and glasses. They didn't skimp at all. They went full Muppet with the full guy. Muppet. And it's delightful. And why not? It's a comic book. Yep, Muppets. That was great. I also, uh, the panel I call Blow Dry Boy, which is... <laughs> When Garfield has a blow dryer held to his ear as he has a business conversation is terrific. And it's really well drawn also. And you see a robot man on the other end of the line. It's beautifully drawn, but it also just looking at it cracks me up. Mm-hmm. What what other choices did you have? I had a, a backup panel where Starfire, when she tries to kill Terminator and blasts him and it's titled Scream. Because there's a giant scree, terrible sound. But it's all explosive and, you know, reds and blacks and super, you know, impactful graphic-y. Yep. And it's just awesome. Uh, My actual favorite, though, also does feature Starfire, and I call it Skyline Backstroke. And it she is, does look like she's swimming. She, she, but she looks like she's doing the backstroke. She's flying like upside down over the city, and it's a shot down at her. And you see the tops of the buildings, and her just like being like, ah, "I love being an Earthling. Mm-hmm. This is rad. I'm a model. What a nice <laughs> life." Yeah, that's a that's a good choice. That that was my favorite. What was your favorite? I'm gonna go with a cyborg freaking out. Okay. Yep. What was your favorite show-and-tell moment? My favorite show-and-tell is Deathstroke talking to himself. I have the, the exact same work. one. It cracked me up so much. Yeah. It, it reminded me of that scene that we referenced to each other all the time that was in Fist of the North Star. After all, I should know, because we're brothers, are we not? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is having that kind of internal dialogue with himself. Perfect. Direct hit. And why not? When I got my brain power increased 90%, it not only made me stronger and faster than anyone else on Earth, but it also increased my senses a thousandfold. So now, the Terminator never misses. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite show until, but really mostly for the perfect direct hit, and why not? <laughs> that, that was terrific. I, I, yeah, and full agreement with you. That was the best. So, speaking of the best... Who was this story's Aqualad for you? This one, maybe a little bit of an obvious choice. I think there were two clear kind of front runners for me in terms of who got the most screen time, as it were. Sure, sure. And I'm going to go with Starfire because she kicked a lot of butt. She sure did. I, I agree. Despite the fact that steel beams don't melt at those temperatures, Corey. Well, she somehow figured it out. Mm. Either that, or she did just shower everybody <laughs> with molten, molten lead. lead and yeah, and steel. They had horrible yeah. burns. But yeah, it was an inside job. Maybe they survived. Wake up, sheeple. Gotcha. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, she was my choice, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, she, she did a great job. She saved a lot of lives. She figured out new ways to use her power. She is one of the two people that Deathstroke discusses at the beginning that he doesn't know how to deal with because he hasn't studied them enough. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, I completely agree. Starfire did the best. Now, you said there were two obvious choices. Who was your backup? I think Gar was the yeah. backup because he... I mean, well, bravery has never really been an issue with him, but... It kind of has. It, it's been an issue with him because it, it's something that... He has struggled with. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's 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 more so in recent issues that he's he's been kind of right. taking the fight to the bad right. guys. But he did this more in this issue than I ever remember him doing to a pretty formidable scary dude. Indeed, but that brings us to our speedy. Garfield was my speedy. Because he Because he went off half cocked and got himself killed. But perhaps more importantly, 
because he used a blow dryer while having a phone call. So rude. So rude and so ineffective. He's not going to hear anything Robot Man saying. But also because he went off half-cocked and tried to tackle a, a supervillain that as a team they could not defeat by himself. I, I understand that he was upset and he was dealing with a lot of shit right then, but not the best. Yeah, that's true. Though up until the point where he did get killed. He looked like he was doing a pretty good job. Best performance I've seen from him in a while. He beat up that giant space dog. That's true. That was pretty great. That was pretty great. He fought a space Marmaduke. I remember. Yeah, I was there. Saying. Okay. You were there? Reading the comic book. Oh, okay, okay. I thought maybe you were taking trips to another dimensions without telling me about it. Oh, wait, man. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, so who did you have for your speedy? Uh, this was actually really challenging for me to sort out. You I tried with Robin, didn't you? I had a three-way tie. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> I had a three-way tie. Because I tried to kind of rank people by what they what they brought to the you know mission, sure. as it were. I, I feel like Robin put together that whole very well executed plan that they and and I agree with you. But as a as an out, I was just like mm, maybe he did, or maybe he just <laughs> said that to everybody because I didn't want to give it to to the other folks okay. on, the, on the team because they all did things in their ways. What, what about Raven? Help. She's yeah. Was she part of your three-way tie? She wasn't, but she should She should have been. I think I'd switch Wait, you out. had Donna and Kid Flash in there? No, I had uh, I had Donna and uh, Cyborg Oh. Because other than, you know, there's the fight scene where they fight everybody, and everybody does right. great. everybody does that. great because it's fight scene. And then there's the defusing the bomb, and that's a total, like, team effort thing. Right. Except maybe for Raven. So, she probably calmed the d- bomb down, like, a lot. She empathized with it yeah so i'm sorry that you're a bomb give me your bomb angst <laughs> i will take it from you Ooh, i'm a scary ghost and also i'm storm okay from the you X-Men know what cartoon yeah fuck it i'm changing <laughs> mine to raven okay mine's staying gar i just like doing just that voice you made your point <laughs> you're all right robin god this comic book's turning me into a robin apologist yeah well man crazy crazy times I do like Raven, I, but I she like, doesn't do it. I like Raven there. too, but they, I feel like they haven't quite figured out how to use her. Either Wolfman doesn't know how to use her powers in the book, except for as like the team's taxi, kind of. Mm. Like she just teleports them from places to places. Or he uses them in such a deus ex machina they can do anything way because uh, they defy all definition that or description. Me. Which bothers me, too. I think he'll get there and, and figure out, like, party needs a cleric. But <laughs> she's handled pretty inconsistently. But she doesn't use a hairdryer while she's having a phone call. Tough but fair. Just saying. Anything else you want to talk about? That wraps it up for me. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. I am just about to mail off to Devin, the winner of last week's contest. We have both signed the manuscript and it will be in the mail tomorrow. Very excited about that. And once again, thanks everyone who entered. Helped us punch injustice in the dick, but don't stop punching. Uh, And I would still, of course, encourage all of you to donate to the Southern Poverty Law Center and the ACLU. They need your help now more than ever. Also, drop me a line. I love hearing from you guys. As always, I I am floored by how supportive and interesting all of our listeners are, and I love hearing from you. And so if you want to drop us a line at ttwasteland at gmail.com, love to hear from you there. You can find us on Facebook, Tumblr, which is ttwasteland.com. You can follow me on Twitter at ttwasteland underscore. And if you feel like making a donation, uh, it's patreon.com backslash ttwasteland. Thanks for being rad. Thanks for being a wonderful community. And I'm so glad to be part of it. Indeed. Yeah. So in summation, don't choose your hairdryer when you're having a goddamn phone call. Don't do it. I will get mad. It's true. I will. Spoom! And they knew it! Superman versus the Laughing Gas Bandits.
<laughs> Them yokels'll be easy pickin' once they sniff this nitrous oxide, otherwise known as laughing gas. <laughs> yeah, laughing gas. Ha <laughs> ha. You're too close to that sign, dummy. It's getting to you. And Superman Dare can't touch us because this laughing gas is spiked with kryptonite. <laughs> He'll just have to foil some other crime for now. There he goes now. Let's get down there and rob everyone and split before he gets back. Yeah, let's go get our just desserts. Speaking of desserts, he is a hostess salesman falling all over himself and spilling hostess fruit pies everywhere. Don't just stand there looking stupid. Let's relieve him of his delicious burden. <laughs> yeah, delicious, huh? Boy, I love these hostess fruit pies. That's because of the light and tender crust. Mm. Maybe it's because of the real fruit filling in apple and cherry. Did you ever think of that? Did you ever think I'd catch the three of you so easily? What? Superman in disguise? It ain't fair. Enjoy those hostess fruit pies, boys. Where you're going, you may not get any for a long, long time. Hey, do you think they're supposed to be the Three Stooges? Oh, shit. Yeah. yeah I'm not rereading it with different voices. Also, there was no consistency in our voices. None whatsoever. Nope. You, <laughs> you get a big delight in every bite of hostess fruit pies. Nope, nope, nope. <laughs> there he goes now. <laughs> Let's get down. Bob, Rob, every... <laughs> yeah, let's get down here and give everybody Bob haircuts. <laughs> they look stupid. Oh, Bob. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Nigerian socks. <laughs> their, their faces <laughs> can't support being framed like that with bangs. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Not a laughing gas. Oh shit. Uh there he goes now. Let's get down here. <laughs> Fuck. <sighs> okay. Um There he goes now. Let's get down. <laughs> do you want me to take that one? Yeah, go you do that one.